This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. What's up, friends? Welcome into episode 49 of Press Pass, a college football podcast. I'm Kayla Anderson, and now I can officially say with my co-host, Joshua Perry. Hey, welcome aboard officially to Blue Wire Podcasting and to Press Pass. I am so glad to officially be on board here. Uh, I know we've done the last handful of shows together, um, had a ton of fun, but yeah, now it's all official. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, now that now that it's official, now the real Joshua Perry will he'll start to really come out. And believe me, <laughs> folks, he's got some hot takes. You're gonna love it. Um this was such a crazy weekend. So we talked about last weekend and it was so mellow and boring and vanilla. And this week was completely opposite. We had upsets all over the place. I mean, and I'm talking, there were some big upsets. So what was your like favorite part of this weekend? You know, it, it was it was really interesting to evaluate uh, some of what we thought were the top teams. And, you know, coming to mind right off the, the top of my head, you have uh, Georgia sustaining their loss. I know we'll get into that, but also uh, that Florida LSU matchup. I learned a lot. I think I took a lot away from that in terms of valuation to either team. And then when you look at some of the Big Ten teams that were in action, because that's what I watch a lot during the weekend, um, I thought I learned a lot about both Iowa and Penn State. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll kind of expand upon that. But Wisconsin, my gosh, like, oh my that, goodness. It's, it's time to really <laughs> start respecting them. Um, yes. Because of how they're winning games right now. They've got four shutouts. They've scored as many touchdowns on defense as they've allowed. I mean, um, just a really good team right now. Yeah, and we're going to talk about them too because there is no way that we're leaving them out, especially right now when I think people need to be educated across the country on you know, what teams really need to be up there when discussing who is really the best in the country. So I'm going to start with the top 10 this week because, again, there was more shuffling, and then I'm going to get your quick opinions on a couple things with the top 10. So at number one, it's crazy. I'm looking at this list. There are a ton of 6-0 and teams, yes. um, which is nuts at this time of the year. But at number one is Alabama, 6-0, and uh, 31st place votes in that top spot. But then LSU moving up this week to the t- two spot with 12 first place votes after that win over Florida, followed by Clemson, then Ohio State. Now at four, followed by Oklahoma, Wisconsin there at six, Penn State moving up to seven, Notre Dame, 
Florida and Georgia dropping all the way down this week to the 10 spot after, of course, they were upset by South Carolina. This was kind of uh, shaken up a bit this week, Josh. It was. I think, um, you know, I think it's it's pretty right when you look at at least a, probably the top six to me, top seven, uh, truly. Alabama, again, people will have questions about maybe who they are on defense, but I think offensively they're rolling. Um, they look really good. LSU, to me, did cement that number two spot. I still have questions about how good they truly are on defense. When their offense is hitting like that, I don't think it really matters because there's not a lot of teams that have the firepower to stop them. Uh, Clemson's sitting right up there. I agree with Ohio State as well. Um, Maybe a little bit undervalued, but again, don't know if they've truly been tested. A lot of people are waiting for that marquee game to come up. Oklahoma looks very good to me. Defensively, they are much improved. Again, another one of those teams where I think they can outscore anybody, so their defense only has to be average. Um, But that Wisconsin, that Penn State right there, those are two teams from watching them uh, every single weekend, evaluating them. I think Wisconsin is undervalued, but there's so many good teams ahead of them. It's fair for where they're at. Penn State, to me, I think is another dangerous team. And um, they showed that they can win in games where they're not super explosive and it gets kind of ugly, which is awesome. But uh, Notre Dame, Florida, Georgia sitting right there. Would have thought that maybe Florida would have dropped a little bit more, but it is what it is. And then uh, Georgia's sitting right there at 10. The the thing about 9 and 10 right now is both of them are still in a position to where they can make a little bit of noise depending on how the rest of the season shakes out. So that's what I get excited about is is trying to project, you know, some of the matchups further on what this could really look like at the end of the year. Yeah, because we're definitely starting to get into the meat of these conference schedules. And so it's going to get interesting. Um, Really quickly, when you talk about all these teams, you know, following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming because I did this on the plane this week uh, on my way back from Denver, where I'm not going to talk about this, but the Titans got blown out. Mm. Uh, It was just an awful loss. So I'm like sitting here balancing all these things, trying to consume all the sports stuff. So trying to follow it can really be impossible sometimes. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email box. So when you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA, NFL, NHL, whatever you want, they got it. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. Super simple to sign up. It's free. You go to sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend that is sharing this really awesome link with your buddy. So join uh, the 100,000 sports fans that get caught up every day before it even begins with the best of everything. No subscription fee, nothing. This is a free curated sports content delivered directly to you. So sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free. Free 99 is what you type in at sports.axios.com. Okay, Joshua, so let's get started on what was a big upset this past weekend. Georgia getting upset by South Carolina, the final 20-17 to in double overtime. This was a really interesting game just because I don't think anyone thought that these Gamecocks were going to come into Athens and take down this number three Georgia team, uh, Ryan Holinsky even, was uh, taken out of that game with an injury late in the game. So he didn't even finish the game. Um, he is technically their backup. So their third string was in. Just all around, though, a sloppy game, poor decision-making, missed kicks. 
just I think a shocker though for everyone to uh, to see that it actually happened that Georgia was taken down. Yeah, it's kind of mind boggling. So you you look at the teams coming in and South Carolina. I really want to pull up their schedule because their their wins before this were just awful. It was not very good. Yeah, and and so you're sitting there like, okay, Georgia's got stud quarterback. They got a really good team. You think their defense is strong? You're like man, this is not going to be a challenge. And to me, it was startling how bad they looked. And specifically, Jake Fromm, and and I'll preface it by saying, you ask a lot of people watching college football this year if they would rather have Justin Fields, who was the backup quarterback at Georgia a year ago, or Jake Fromm, they would say Justin Fields, with the caveat that Jake Fromm is still a really good quarterback. He did not look very good. Um, He struggled a ton, and he was one of the highest-grade quarterbacks in America before this game, but he was throwing interceptions. He just looked very uncomfortable. And it was, talk about a big upset. uh, Georgia was the first uh, team in the preseason top six of America to lose a game. That's how big of an upset it was. Like this was defining for Georgia's season in a way. Yeah, here's the thing. The Bulldogs losing, this is what got me. The Bulldogs losing at home on top of it. Like to me, I know that there's there's losses that happen in a season and there are upsets that happen. But when you're supposed to be like a team, they were, you know, a top three team. They've been the top three all season long to do this like at home on top of it is just what makes me makes my mind spin that even, you know, this happened. But here's the thing, too. Teams are going to continue to stack the box and they're going to continue to make Jake from throw. And like you said. He can't be throwing all those passes throughout the day. I mean, it's just too much. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a wonder, honestly, why nobody else tried to do that. And I, you know, you think Jake Fromm is a dangerous quarterback. I understand that, but uh, you look at their backfield, their running back, and their O line probably the strength of their team, to be honest. So why not stack the box, dare them to run the ball? It's like, hey, you know, sure. if you can run it on us in a stacked box and we deserve to lose. But if you can beat us throwing the ball, you know, South Carolina's got at least enough athletes to try to single up the coverage every once in a while, um, make them fit it into windows um, and, and truly challenge them that way. And the game plan worked. And like you said, taking a home loss, which was something that I've experienced 2014 against Virginia Tech, there mm-hmm. is nothing yep. like it. you got your home crowd there. You feel like you've got all the advantage. And even toward the end of the game, it seemed like South Carolina was doing things to actively try to lose it at times and still came down to a field goal in, in the second OT where you have one of the premier kickers in America and you miss. Like, it's tough losing like yes. that. Yes. I couldn't believe – like, if anybody is going to miss a kick – okay, South Carolina, they missed – you know, obviously their kicker wasn't great. I can understand. When you've got Blakenship, who's been there for, I always joke, like 80 years, who is, in my opinion, like the best kicker in the country – it's crazy to see that he missed two in that game. Yeah, but that goes to show, like it, it, it can happen on any given day. Oh, in absolutely. You know, like you just don't know what's going to be your bad day. Yeah, it's uh, that's and that's the thing to me. I, I sit here and I have this conversation with a lot of people, and this is not to disparage Blankenship or disparage uh, kicker specialists in any kind of way. But um, <laughs> when I look at how I structure my team, if I'm a college football coach. I would rather take a scholarship and use it toward another position that's a part of the typical starting 11 than a kicker because even when you have one of the best kickers in college football and your game comes down to it, they can miss a field goal like that. And it's a game-changing play. And those guys, obviously, they deserve to be able to earn their way into a scholarship. But if I've got a freshman guy, I'm not bringing him in on scholarship. I'm going to let him earn it because there's so many other positions you could invest 
that money into where these guys typically they take a little while to come along and they got to get used to playing in the type of environments they're in. They're not kicking PATs off of the tee like they were in in high right. school. It's just a different game for them. So uh, truly interesting there. And, you know, on the flip side of that, if I'm Georgia's offense or defense, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and blame a kicker, though. And say so we used to do it, you know, where we would look and say, all right, how many plays did we mess up? And that kicker only had, you know, two, three, four opportunities to go out there and kick like that's on us. Right, right. And and I get that. I mean, it, it is kind of frustrating when it's a guy like him that you really have depended on. But when it comes down to it, let's be real, it should have never come down. No, to not that. at all. Not when not when number three Georgia was playing. Not not any offense against South Carolina because um, I'm a really big fan of Ryan Holinsky. But I mean, this is a team that's not very good. I pose this question to you though. So with the Bulldogs' loss at home, could they still possibly be a playoff team? Because six of the eight college football national championships have had a loss. Yeah, which is well, crazy. that is it's extremely crazy if you ask me. Um, you know, it's just mm-hmm. that's where college football is, especially in this day and age where, um, you know, everybody's good and everybody's susceptible. Um, I'd have to take a look at the schedule, which I'm pulling up right now. So bear with me. But uh, I think that they've got an opportunity to win some games from here on out. They've got Kentucky coming up next, which should be a dub. Right. Florida, Georgia will be yep. a question. But I, like I said, I think Florida, um, with their quarterback situation, especially, it might catch up to them. But they've got a really good defense. So Fromm will be tested in that one for sure. Um, they've got Missouri, who's top 25 team. They've got Auburn down the line, too. And then Texas A&M, who I thought was a fraud anyway, and Georgia Tech. So a couple opportunities to get tripped up. But also at the same time, you beat Florida, that's going to be a big win. You beat Auburn, that's going to be a big win. And then yeah. you go to an SEC championship and rock and roll from there. They've got an opportunity. So speaking of Florida, that game was nuts. 42-28 to was the final with LSU uh, rolling over the Gators. Speaking of rolling, the Tigers' offense is just ridiculous to watch. Uh, we all know him. I personally love this guy. Covered him in high school and then clearly was at Ohio State for just a short time. But Joe Burrow, this kid continues to just rip open on the LSU record books. I mean, he had three touchdown passes, leading the Tigers to 511 total yards. Uh, Burrow has 41 touchdown passes in just 19 career games I mean this kid is just tearing it It up it is absolutely ridiculous and I'm sitting there watching the game you know thinking like okay is this guy for real is it mostly is it mostly scheme stuff that's helping him find open receivers because his completion percentage is out of this world too or is it him and his ability to to find the open receiver and throw it into a window and I was watching a play and uh, you know some people if you're not football junkie like me LSU is running cover two on defense so it's a passing defense. You've got more guys um, focused on the pass. It's a lighter box, and LSU's throwing the ball. And they throw it to the the deep flat, so kind of between the uh, the numbers and the sideline type area, I would say maybe 15, okay. 20 yards deep. In cover two, the middle of the field is a part of the field that would be open deep, yet he fits it into a window over a linebacker's head underneath a safety. Those are the type of plays to me that indicate that Number one, uh, they're just confident because most quarterbacks avoid throwing that. But number two, like yep. the, the way that ball was delivered into that window, it changes the game when you have a quarterback like that. Well, here's the thing. So I LSU, I like you said, I, I think that they're deserving right now of that two spot. Here's some numbers offensively that stick out. Uh, leading the nation in scoring, 52.5 points per game. 
uh, second nationally in yards per game with 561 and passing yards per game, 396. Uh, one of only two teams to score at least 42 points in every single game. Those numbers definitely hard to argue against when you're talking about this offense. But Joshua, the defense, and we've talked about this a couple times, I still, that's the one thing I'm a little hooked up on. Because I, I don't know quite yet if I believe 100% in the defense. Uh, they get, gave up like 457 yards of total offense this week against Florida. So where are you with this team? Yeah, I, this is a team to me that can roll. I think they'll be able to roll as long as they're playing teams that they can outscore with their offense being that explosive. But when you boil it down, for example, you get not even necessarily in Alabama because they have a chance to outscore an Alabama-type team because Alabama's defense isn't elite like we've known it to be. But like you get to a playoff scenario where the Big Ten champion, who I predict would be Ohio State or Wisconsin, gets there. Defensively, mm-hmm. you, you ask the question about can – they stop even like a Wisconsin from dinking and dunking the way they do in the past game where their quarterback only had three incompletions last week and a running back who's potentially the best in America who could go off for 250 yards on the ground. When you look at Ohio State, a team that has, like Wisconsin, a very good defense that could maybe slow down LSU's offense. Well, Ohio State offensively, when they're hitting their stride, they got a running back who could do the same thing. He'd give you 200 and then they could throw for probably 400 yeah. in the same game, the way that their their quarterback is and the receiver talent they have. So you ask, like, when they really get into the heart of the schedule against some elite teams, maybe even in the playoff, can their defense do enough that they can outscore their opponent? Yeah, no, that's exactly what it comes down to. And, and I'll get into this in a bit when we touch on the Big Ten um, when it comes to right now which conferences is more, I guess, powerful when it comes to overall talk but really quickly the upcoming schedule for LSU you had mentioned Alabama in there so it's miss at Mississippi State which should be a, a, a easy win um then versus Auburn which will be interesting I'm still kind of interested to see what Auburn does from here on out and then at Alabama so it's not it's not a cakewalk for LSU in the next three games by any means but if they can take care of you know, Auburn and Alabama, my goodness, I, I, this this team's going to be real interesting in terms of like anybody else beating them. If, if they take care of Alabama specifically, it's going to be one of those yeah. situations where everybody in the national media will be asking if there's a team that can take down LSU. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I think I was talking with a couple people this weekend who are from that area and they were actually saying before this game, of course, that LSU wasn't getting a lot of attention nationally. Well, they are now. So now it's going to it's gonna be like, how are they going to handle that now that they are getting all the attention? I didn't think that they were, yeah. but... That I was, was going to say, I, I thought they were getting the the proper amount of attention. And then this game, they, they earned the right to garner more attention, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, real quickly, I wanted to ask you, because we're kind of, now we've got a good chunk of games down. So there's the talk of obviously the Heisman all year long. And I want to just talk about the quarterbacks and in your eyes right now, if you were just going to pick a Heisman that was a quarterback right now, who would it be? Um, I'm going to throw out Tua Tungvaloa, Jalen Hurts, and now Joe Burrow is obviously in the discussion. Really quick, I'm going to read their stat lines up to this point this season. So Tua, 2000, 157 yards passing, 25 TDs, three interceptions, and a QBR of 93.3. And then we have, I'm sorry, that was Joe Burrow. 
Tua now, 2011 yards, 27 TDs, an interception and a QBR of six, uh, 96.1. And then Hertz, 1,758 yards, seven TDs, two interceptions, and a QBR of 94.9. I mean, these guys are all neck and neck right now in terms of just enormous numbers. But if you were to pick a, a guy that you think at this point was deserving of that, who who would that You know what be? I think is kind of shameful, and, and, and it's shaped my opinion until you look at some of the stats here, but uh, Tua, I feel like, is not getting – um, the national attention you would expect with his stat line. You talk about mm-hmm. the stats. Oh, it's ridiculous! Great. And talk about one interception—that's a big deal. Um, Joe Burrow, I think, has been probably the biggest surprise in terms of this Heisman conversation. I feel like that's why he gets so much attention, um, and he's absolutely mm-hmm. earned the right to have that type of attention on him by the way that he's played. But to me, Jalen Hurts is—he's different. And the reason I say that is, you look at his stat line. You know, 1,758 yards, 17 TDs, two interceptions, the whole deal. Sounds good. But he's running the ball. He's running it. He, he, I mean, his stats running the ball are probably better than some running backs in college football. Sure. And I think that's what makes it different. He's got the ability to take over a game. And you even look at the matchup he had this past weekend. I don't think he threw the ball exceptionally well, but he was able to tuck it down and get some tough yards on the ground. And it really helped his team out of some situations. So to me, his versatility – and his ability to take over the game because he can do it all is what says to me right now that he's the guy I would pick. Who's going to be the better NFL quarterback? Because I'll tell you right now, we've got Tank for Tua going on in the NFL. Now, Tennessee Titan fans are pretty much like, Mario is done. So now they're all like, let's get sure. Joe Burrow. <laughs> I mean, it's getting nuts over here in the South. I mean, who who to you, when you look at them and their body work and just how they are, uh, you know, as a quarterback, how much does that translate over to the NFL and who, who does it translate It's interesting because I was scrolling down my timeline and I saw um, some Cincinnati Bengals fans saying that they want to bring Joe oh, Burrow wow. back to Southern Ohio. So, um, you, you know... It, yeah. A lot of people like him. I think he's got an, an NFL skill set. I think that he's got a unique mentality and he's a fighter. To me, Tua, I feel like is still the cleanest quarterback. Like if there's a guy you want to insert okay. right now today, he would be the guy. Okay. So Tua right now, you'd say he's the guy. So tank for Tua is still on in Joshua's eyes. Um, well, when you are selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage and ship your order. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and, well, keeps your customers happy. So no matter what or where you're selling, I should say, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings you all the orders in one simple interface. So ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. No wonder why ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best available rates. And right now, Press Pass listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you offer this code up. It is blue. There is absolutely no risk. You could start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code blue. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Okay, so we're going to get into a conference that you know very, very well. Obviously, alum of The Ohio State University. You had said earlier in the podcast that you learned a lot about these two teams, Iowa 
and Penn State, of course, uh, Penn State winning a low-scoring affair, 17-12. to Why did you learn so much about these two teams uh, this past weekend, Joshua? I, uh, I, I think I learned a lot in terms of Penn State, who offensively is one of the top offenses in America. Well, the two teams that presented the biggest challenge to them defensively have been Pitt and Iowa. Mm-hmm. And Iowa's done – or Penn State – has only been able to score 17 points on either one of them. So when you look defensively, I was one of the top defenses in America. They confused the quarterback a little bit. They made it hard to move the ball. So you learn two things about Penn State is, number one, maybe their offense is a little bit inflated stat-wise. But number two, they still know how to win in an ugly game where their offense isn't scoring a lot of points. And that's because I think their defense is very good. Yep. On the flip side of that, though, you truly can say that Iowa's defense is not very good at all. Or Iowa's, excuse me, offense is um, they're not very good at all. Okay. And they struggle. I think Nate Stanley struggled against pressure, which uh, he saw two weeks in a row. You know, I think that uh, their offensive line has struggled picking up some of the pressures, and they did a way better job this week than they did the week before. Um, but even even in saying all of that, they kept games against top opponents in Michigan and Penn State very close, and it's because they have an elite defense. And so to me – uh, regardless of a four and two record, I think that Iowa is still a very good team. So you got Iowa and Penn State, and then you have Wisconsin, who also knows how to play defense. I guess they, in my opinion, are leading the way when it comes to showing teams how to play defense. The Badgers, you know, had a rough time, I think, in t- 2018, but they're back. Michigan State, their last opponent here, became the fourth shutout victim in six games. That has not been accomplished at the FBS level since 1967. That's pretty remarkable. Very remarkable. I mean, when you look at this defense, Joshua, what are they doing right? What are they, how are they able to sustain these shutouts and this consistency? They just play really sound defense. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what exactly it is. I think they're a really well-coached unit, number one. I think, number two, they truly don't care who's making the play as long as somebody's making it. And that's a good identity to have as a defense. But you look at their numbers in terms of tackles for a loss. They're not one of the top teams in that category. Um, and that's typically an indicator of a really good defense because you're pushing the offense back. Mm-hmm. They're just stingy. And uh, truly, they, they don't let people score points. Like, not trying to be funny right? saying that. Like, people literally can't score. Let's make no bones about it, though. Talk about bad offenses again in the Big Ten. Michigan mm-hmm. State's offense is not very good. And I thought that no. they were going to have a chance if they could run their quarterback, Brian Lewerke, which they tried to do. And he was getting chunks of yards doing that. But the issue was he completely forgot how to throw the ball. He couldn't hit anybody. And he, I think he was less than 50% completion rating. Like, that is terrible. That's bad. It's it's so bad. Part, you know, give Wisconsin the credit that they deserve for flustering him like that. but. You know, I think they were playing a really bad offense that game. And then when you look at Michigan State defensively as well, um, they got destroyed by Wisconsin on offense. I think Wisconsin has a a very good offense. I don't think they're great or an elite offense. And the fact of the matter is that I think that Michigan State has a very good defense this year, but they're not great or elite like we might have thought they were at the beginning of the year. So I think we need to reevaluate how we look at this Michigan State team as well. Well, so when we talk about the Big Ten, this past, you know, this last podcast, we've been talking about the SEC and it, it kind of has been about, you know, offense and, you know, how LSU is just like cranking out like a well-oiled machine. And then we talk about defense more so in the Big Ten. So when you look at these two conferences, 
I think there's no bones about it. They're the two best conferences in the country. I don't even think there's an argument. But if you were going to say which conference is stronger than the other, are you going to say the Big Ten because just when it comes to all around, maybe better teams in terms of balance, that's the case? Oh, man, it's hard for me to make that call. Like, you know, the football fan in me says that defense travels. And so you, I, I err on picking teams that have really good defenses. And when you look at, you know, Penn State and Iowa and Wisconsin, you know, and Ohio State as teams with really elite defenses, you think that they'll have a chance in games, at least to keep them close. But specifically in LSU's case and Alabama with what they're doing as well mm-hmm. offensively, like you truly wonder how many teams out there could stop them. Like if you line up those two teams against the top two defensive teams in the Big yeah. Ten, what do you think the score is going to be? Yeah. So I don't know. I, you lean to the SEC when you look at the rankings and everything, but as you start to watch some more of the games in your mind, you know, you're, you're feeling that the Big Ten is a lot stronger than anybody wants to give them credit for. I think this is the big thing too, because we're all about what we see, right? And what looks the flashiest and what looks the sexiest. And by no means does the Big Ten look the sexiest right now. Not at all. But doesn't mean that they're not going to come come for them when it comes to playoff time. And they're not going to be... I just, I have this feeling that it's going to be a Big Ten team in the end. Well, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll interject on that. I said the same thing when somebody said predict the playoff scenario. I said, I don't know, but I'll tell you that I think a Big Ten team is going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And part of it is what you see. But you... you no, at this point, the two best teams in the Big Ten are Ohio State and Wisconsin. Yeah, They're going to play in a couple weeks, and then they'll probably rematch in the Big Ten championship game. So yep. if either one of them lost the early one and then won the Big Ten championship, yep. they would be in yep. because that would be their only loss to yep. another really good team. Exactly. The SEC is a little bit crazier to predict, and I think part of it is because some of the teams were overhyped, but you've got teams in the top 25 hanging around there. Probably shouldn't be top 25 teams. Maybe they should be, but... Some teams are going to go down and some opinions are going to change. And as those teams go down, the evaluation and, and our thought process, I think, goes it falls harder yeah. than if they were ranked where they should have been early on. So who knows? I know. That's why we love this. And every week, I just feel like there's always just brand new things to talk about because every week something different happens and it changes our opinions about it. So um, looking forward to another good weekend of college football. Uh, Before we go, good stuff from the gridiron this week. I really wanted your opinion on this, Joshua, because you're such a a well-rounded guy when it comes, you're not just a guy who played football. You're you're a smart guy, an intelligent guy, you're a leader uh, when you're at Ohio State. So Captain Jonathan Sutherland for Penn State got a letter, this is very disturbing to me, um, from a Penn State alum, this guy, Dave Peterson, claimed he was a Penn State alum, writes a letter to this young man and pretty much saying that he, why do why do college players these days look the way like he looks? It's, it's not, it, why aren't they clean cut? Why don't they cut their hair all the same you know, way? Why don't they not have tattoos and all this stuff? And James Franklin, you know, head coach for Penn State, you know, definitely stood up for his player and and said, look, this guy is a leader. He is a young man. He even went as far to say, I would love for a guy like this to marry my daughters. So I'm I'm so glad that, that people came out and said, look, this cannot be happening. But what in the world gives any kind of person the right to do that? Yeah. And I, I you know, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because I, I have some really deep thoughts on it. And first off, I, I think you're right when you ask the question is, what gives somebody the right? And I think the the worst thing 
in today's day and age and the way society is, is that somebody sent him a physical letter. It's one thing when you go on Facebook or Twitter and you press send, it doesn't take a lot of effort. And we've seen people make mistakes doing that, but this guy had to type it, print it. He had to get an envelope, address it, stamp it, and then drop it off in the mail. Mm -hmm. Took a lot of effort to do all that. So that was my first issue. But then you look at the content of what he said and you're right. You know, he talked about, you know, the dreadlocks are disgusting. And I feel like that in and of itself, number one, is um, a harsh judgment because you probably don't know what the process is like. But number two, to me, um, it's it's just racist to say that yeah. um, because of what we classify typical people to have dreadlocks, what they look like, like that association is bad. But then it was even things like when he said, do you not have parents or a girlfriend yes. to, to tell you what you look like? Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it does two things, I think. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'm that guy. Anybody who knows me on Twitter knows this. But talking about the parents, number one, it, it talks, it's a, it's a trope about how uh, parents of, of Black people are probably uh, not great parents. They're maybe a little bit young, immature, probably don't know better, so they can't help their kids do better. But the girlfriend thing, too, is probably talking about the stereotypical yeah. girlfriend of an athlete who thinks that their man's going to go pro and they'll do anything to appease him. It's bad. Yeah. But I, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for James Franklin as a black man to to be able to stand up for that. I'm happy that they made those T-shirts, yeah. even though um, they had to take them off pregame. I think it was a great stand. But, you know, just to share a little bit, and you know this about me, um, but I'm obviously black man. Yep. Uh, but my high school career, my first two years of college, I had dreadlocks. And so yep. um, I know what it's like to be judged and to be looked at as um, something completely different than what you are just because of how you appear. And then you fast forward to today and everybody sees me on TV, got a clean shaven face, yep. wear my hair short and I wear suits. I take the suit off and I have a left arm that is full of tattoos mm-hmm. from my chest, my shoulder, all the way down to my wrist. And you can't tell. And people would judge me based off of that and think yep. that I would be a different guy than what I actually am. And that's why this is such a problem. That's why I feel so adamant about saying something about it. But kudos to Penn State and the way that they stood up for this, um, stood up against this. And, uh, you know, for, for fans who have these types of opinions, sometimes you're better off just not saying a daggone thing. Exactly. Like not, to, not to, to be the person who's the trying to bring any more negativity to this, but Dave Peterson, you need to look in the mirror and check yourself and Jonathan mm-hmm. Sutherland, you just keep doing you man and, um, keep being a leader for that team. So yeah, that, that I definitely wanted to touch on that with you. Cause I knew you'd have a strong opinion on it. And uh, somebody who can have an opinion and, 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 you know, people can maybe listen to you and really say, okay, yeah, this, this guy is way out of line. So um, good points on that, Joshua. So something really fun, really quick before we go. I don't know if you saw this, but so have you been to any of the games like down South and they've got like these hedges? I've not. Okay. It's crazy. It's very like, you know, traditional down here and they have the clean cut hedges. Well, so supposedly, you know, Sanford Stadium in Athens is um, known for the most famous shrubs in sports. Okay. So on Saturday, South Carolina upset them. And after it, a lot of the players ripped off pieces of the hedges as souvenirs. And like they had it like in their mouths and stuff. And then even Will Muschamp, there's a picture of, uh, I think it's an assistant handing him a piece of the shrubbery or hedges. And they pretty much were carrying it around as souvenirs. Well, I guess that like Georgia got pissed 
and was like, how dare you? That is, you know, that's so crossing the line and all this stuff. And so I guess George's AD came out today and like apologized for everything. I just found it hilarious. Like it, <laughs> you know, so you know this about me by now. I'm, I'm here for pettiness, right? Like, be, be your best petty self uh, because there's just not a lot of opportunities to do this. And, and to me, this was uh, peak pettiness. Um, my response to Georgia is if you don't want them taking over souvenir shrubbery, then yeah. win the daggone game. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, Baker Mayfield came into yes. Ohio Stadium, the flag into the turf. People get pissed off. Win the damn game. It doesn't happen if you win. So yeah. for me, you know, I'm glad these guys celebrated, had a little bit of fun with it. I understand that there's a, a respect level of the stadium and the tradition and everything. Win the daggone game. You know what I'm saying? Like, let these guys have fun. They won. They were petty. I'm here for it. It's a freaking, okay, it's a hedge, first of all. It's going to be fine. They groom them, like, probably 30 times a day. So get over it. And, again, you lost against the South Carolina team that no one had winning in your own stadium. So. That's the deal. They There's not a chance they should have been celebrating like that in the first place. So exactly. Boom. Take that, Georgia. All right. Um, well, that is a wrap on this episode of Press Pass. And so now officially that Joshua is a part of this podcast, we are our, our little Press Pass logo, as you can see on iTunes, has changed. And so when you go to that logo now, you can subscribe right under it really easy. And then you can give us a rate and review and the five stars, they're just screaming your name to press five. Um, so they are. De- right. So definitely do it. It's really easy. And then Joshua, you're on social media. So now that people, you know, who are following press pass on Instagram or following me on Twitter, where can they go to find you on all those social media outlets? Yes, they can go to Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you know, Twitter's the fun one for me, a little bit more interactive, lots of hot <laughs> takes at R-I-P underscore J-E-P, uh, underscore J-E-P again, R-I-P underscore J-E-P. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out because, you know, I love to take some time and, and have some conversations on Twitter. Um, and then we're going to, we'll be back here, obviously, next week. I'm sure that we'll have plenty more good topics to talk about. And um, I'm going to be making Joshua make a hot take every week. That's what I'm going to do. I just threw that on you, Joshua. Um, no, it's all good. I'll find one. So, yeah. So be prepared for that and, and the people can look forward to it. Um, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Press Pass. I hope you guys enjoy your week and enjoy another great weekend of college football.